When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. LaFondra looking to get caught side of Vaughn. LaFondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello. Welcome to Question Time with me, Fiona Bruce. And I'm joined by Everson 1 and Everson 2. Um, the Alex and Matt double act this week on the Elm Park Royals podcast. It's all fun and games here because we've just had another draw against Swansea that feels like a win. It's becoming quite the the frequent occurrence. We we've gone from we've gone from getting a point against Barnsley that felt like a win, point against Swansea that feels like a win, with, with the actual occasional win thrown in there as well for good measure. So it's going to be an up, upbeat one. This, this week, lads, if you're listening at home, we know why you're here. It's basically just a speed run to the finish to talk about Tom McIntyre again for the second time in, in two episodes. But, I, might uh, just start, I might just start like turning up for the last 10 minutes of our game. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be it nice. Seems, uh, just seems better, doesn't it? Just seems like on, that's the way forwards. On our statistical breakdown that we get through our podcast provider, we'll probably see this massive uptick in listens in the like, last like five to 10 minutes, like you say. So, uh, But yeah, so in case you missed it, um, it's only you've only missed an eight-goal thriller. That's Reading four, Swansea four, or Swansea four, or Reading four. It was uh, an unforgettable um, display of football at the Select Car Leasing Stadium today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna cover all the highlights, give you a bit of our immediate post-match reaction because it only finished what three hours ago. Go us, you know we're we're on the buzzer. Um, Alex, talk us through your feelings ahead of kickoff because there were a couple of changes to the team sheet. Uh, we had uh, Tom Holmes out with a fever and Ovi Ajari out with a thigh problem, according to um, to the manager, Paul Lins. And uh, replacing them was uh, Hoylet and Deli Bashiri. Deli Bashiri replaced McIntyre in the midfield and McIntyre dropped to centre-back. And uh, obviously, Mate back on the bench as well after his injury layoff. So what were your feelings heading into the game? Free Alan Halilovic also <laughs> on the bench. Um, yeah, to be honest, going into the game, I wasn't that confident that we would pull anything out. Um, Deli Bashiru playing in the centre, uh, 
I haven't really been that impressed, especially when he's played in like the the deeper the pivot, um, the well, the deeper role in the pivot. It, it, I haven't been that impressed with him that this season. And McIntyre, it must be one of his first games at centre back this season. It, it like it, I can't remember many games he's played at centre back. So I have to say I wasn't that confident going into the game, um, despite the kind of the you know the over over exuberance of confidence. Uh, coming from social media, I was a little little worried that Swansea would kind of tear us apart like they normally do when they play against us at, at home. I think yeah, it's, the, it's the bank holiday sun. That's the positivity where I'm going to get <laughs> into it. It was coming coming off of a, a sunny, you know, last minute winner on Friday, going in Swansea, going anything can happen. Um, and yeah, fast forward, it can. But uh, yeah, the, the sunny Monday, bank holiday, Easter, uh, Easter Monday. Doesn't matter who we who we put out. It was just go in with good feelings. It's it's good weather. Aside from the sunny optimism of of the Reading fans going in, I think the sun must have played a part in frying the brains of the players actually on the pitch as well, Matt. Because going straight into the game, the goal started flying in right from well, it was less than five minutes um, before Zhao is. Jao's hand could be called into action from the penalty spot. I mean, it's it's a blatant, blatant penalty that the referee, uh, supposed Premier League referee Kevin Friend, has not given at first glance, and it has to fall to linesman to actually award it. It's a blatant, blatant penalty, lads. Are, are we agreed on that? Kevin Friend is absolutely crap, isn't he? Let's be honest. I I'm just <laughs> going to put this out here. I know this is the start of the podcast, and usually we wait until half an hour into moan about the referee, but he is absolutely shite. I don't know how many decisions he missed, just got wrong. Like, it just, it just bad. He's just bad. Um, I'm not going to mention the referee again after this because it's just pointless because he's, he's, he's not very good. Um, you're right to get it out of the way early doors. Ga- multiple games. Every time we seem to have Kevin Brennan as a referee, we just end up whinging about him. So I think he's, he's, he's kind of thought, out now. He's kind of probably kind of thought, it's a minute in, I don't want to give a penalty a minute, a minute into a game and, uh, and that to sum it up quite quickly. But... It is a blatant penalty, and fair play it's to the linesman for actually bringing penalty, isn't it? Yeah, but so often a linesman doesn't even think and just sort of goes with whatever the referee is saying. But actually, fair play to the linesman on that one. He's totally shite, Kevin. Friend, he's no friend of mine. I mean, I he's he's been off my Christmas card list since 2012 because obviously he was the man that presided over that disastrous 7-5 cup loss to Arsenal, um, and I'll never forgive him for adding on like three minutes more at a time at the end of that game than he should have done. And then yeah, most yeah. recently, um, we can just erase that from, from history, just like I've erased him from my Christmas card list. And then the, the latest Reading encounter that he officiated was actually the last game before the coronavirus lockdown in 2020. Again, a cup game against Sheffield United. Are we going to start some mad conspiracy that gets us in a lot of trouble about Kevin Friend actually starting COVID? And him being like patience here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Kevin Friend decides, Zhao steps up. His penalty record's not great for us. Iffy, I mean, isn't it's, it? it's, it's, it's iffy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Matt, were you as non confident as I am seeing Zhao step up to take it? There weren't really many other takers on the pitch, were there? No, I literally first thought, I was like, oh, well, who's taking it? Where's Swift? Not here. Okay, well, who actually takes it then? Um, yeah, the only other person I could think even potentially would take it Laurent um so with Zhao taking it fine the actual penalty 
sent the keeper the wrong way. So yeah, great penalty. It's a perfect penalty. It's not the best penalty in the world, but who cares when you're 90, 90 seconds in and you're one nil up? You know, it, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, a little bit of a poor penalty, but don't care. One nil, games are good and off we go. Yeah, and it was like like you say, it was like the the plug coming out of the bath because less than five minutes later, Swansea back on terms with the magnificently named Wolf, I believe it is, uh, with a brilliant, brilliant finish. It's 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 a like a curler. Um, again, it's, it's, I say this on every yeah. single podcast. I say it's like a finesse shot on FIFA, Alex. But you yeah, can probably do a better that... job of describing it. It's a it's a good goal, isn't it? I mean, it, a good finish, maybe. Um, he kind of finds the ball just inside the area and uh, to the on on the Swansea left hand side. And Yeardham doesn't; he's not really close enough to him to put a block in. Neither's Tom Ince, and they're both two or three yards away from the ball. And maybe they're a little bit far off him, and they they should be a bit tighter to him there. But you know giving him credit it's not like it's not an easy finish what he's done he's put it in the top corner in the far side of the you know far side he basically gives no nine and no chance to save it and uh although it's easy to i guess sit there and and complain at a reading defender that he should be tighter and stuff ultimately 90 percent of championship players who try that shot aren't scoring are they uh, ever because it's it's a very difficult kind of shot um I think he's, so, he's used the defender as a sort of mask as well to curl it around him. Yeah. It's a fantastic goal. If we'd scored it, we'd we'd have loved it as well. So it's it's a fantastic goal. Um, no one really to blame. It's just one of those where you're like I think that's the kind of goal Swansea would score against us, sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a great goal. The same could be said for Swansea's second goal because again, I had to take my hat off because when. A goal of such calibre is scored this time by man in form, uh, I think Joel Pirro, who scored a brace in his previous match for Swansea and then has subsequently scored a brace against us now. But um, it's a fantastic effort. It's with his left foot, snapshot of a finish. And you just kind of had to sit back and applaud, didn't you, Alex? I mean, you were yeah. right behind it. So, the yeah, the angle that we've kind of got from where we are in the stadium, we're, we're basically kind of like looking straight down at the shot from where he hits it. And I don't think if you watch the highlights uh, at some point, you, you won't necessarily see it or you won't have seen it if you watched it on iFollow. But the way he hits it, the curl on the ball is ridiculously late. It, it basically is going straight at nylon up until it gets to probably five yards out. And then it just curls right past him into the into the corner. Um, I have no idea how he's managed to hit the ball like that to to, to put the curl on that. Um, it's a really, really great finish from him. And yeah, it's basically 12 minutes in, two shots for Swansea, both from pretty much 18, 20 yards out, and they've scored both of them. You couldn't really make it up, in all honesty, the way that they've scored. No major mistake there for for either. Yeah, I can't sit there and say, oh, well, the defenders have done really badly, or the goalkeeper should have made a decent set. No, it's like this, just two pretty good finishes from Swansea with two shots. Um, They've scored two really good goals in the first 12 yeah. minutes. Yeah, it's honestly, I know it's very easy as a football fan to be reactionary and, you know, start getting up in arms and going, oh, you know, what are the defence doing? And, you know, let it be said as well, that I think there were six Reading players in, in the box for that first one to go. But at the same time, two absolutely bloody class goals. And like you say, wins immediately sucked out of our sails. Sucked out of our sails? Is that a thing? 
Um, and you're 2-1 down within 10 minutes and it's already an absolute goal fest. And it set the tone for what's coming later on. And, you know, we don't want to talk too much about the nitty gritty of this first half, I know, but a theme across both goals and the first half in general was midfield getting really easily overrun. And um, Drinkwater's been... It, yeah, Drinkwater's crap, been, we? yeah, it's, well, that's it because he's had a bit of a resurgence in in recent times as Drinkwater at last, and getting way too easily overrun in the double pivot with Delhi Bashiri. He was so he was so keen to jump in Drinkwater and try and win the ball back early on that actually you're doing this against a team like Swansea and Swansea are a decent side on the ball. I think if you you know if you never watched Swansea before and you watched that first half, you'd, you'd know that they were a really good side on the ball and. Um, a drink water just kind of like basically played himself out of the game and Delhi Bashira was the same both of them were just essentially passengers for the first half an hour you could say until Reading kind of started to adapt to uh, you know adapt their play yeah I completely yeah. agree it's, it was a very classic Swansea style it, it's what yeah almost the opposite of what we'd imagine of Stoke it's a classic passing Swansea team and they'll just pass it around to you waiting for the right opportunity um, and for the first half now, that's literally what they did. And the two goals, fantastic goals, right opportunity for them, but they didn't make any other chances. It was a lot of passing around the edge of the box, waiting for you know the golden moment as such. Um, and we didn't push out to them, go get the ball from them uh, at all for the first half an hour. It's funny because, like you say, you know exactly what you're going to expect from a Swansea side. that They're really composed on the ball, very difficult to get the ball off. Just a very classy outfit. I can't think of another team that's played in such a consistent way for so long. You'd have to go back to sort of pre-Brendan Rodgers under Roberto Martinez when that sort of style, that cultural, like visual passing style really sort of like took hold. They've been at it for now for 10 years. You know what to expect when they come to the Mads, that were especially Madstad, now SCL Stadium. Um, and there was an entertaining end to the half as well, because both teams, like you say, Reading weren't playing particularly badly, um, especially by our low we, we improved, and- right? I think we definitely improved. Once we got to half an hour, we adapted how we played, certainly. We started to press with groups. We pressed in numbers. We didn't try and press, you know, one player moving forwards to to try and combat, you know, force onesie players passing it around them. Hmm. And I, I think we did... The 10 minutes between like 30 and 40 minutes, we did play relatively well. And I mean, Hoyler hit the, I want to say Hoyler hit the bar during that, it, during that time it, frame, didn't it? It was, yeah. He, um, I think it was Hoyler. He unleashed a shot in no man's land that just rattled off the crossbar. It sort of had a bit of an unexpected dip at the end. And there was a question as to whether he should have laid it off to Ince in the build-up. But um, that was really our last chance of the half before Swansea got their nose in front. Um, ahead of the break. Matt, do you want to talk us through? It's that man again. It's Junior Hoyle who gave away uh, a clumsy penalty on Oberfemi, really. And um, just Alex and I were saying before we hit record, he does have a dodgy tackle in him. He's, he's um, yeah, as much he's as not, I've been singing his praises this season, he's he, he was always going to give that away, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, where, from where we were at the other end of the stadium and, and from where I first saw it, I was like, has he just fallen over on top of him or... I couldn't quite tell what he's even done to, to cause the penalty. Seeing the replays, he's just stuck the leg out and just pulled it, not pulled him down as such, but jumped on top of his legs. And yeah. the referee, if he doesn't give that, then really, <laughs> um, it's, it's just a, a blatant penalty. And 
I think it was um, someone tweeted before the game, you know, Swansea have gone over a year without having a penalty. Um, and so it was inevitable. Inevitable they're going to get a penalty. penalty against yeah, after that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I don't rate Hoylet tackling. Like, I mean, no, it's not his first job. He's a winger. And yes, I understand that, you know, tackling isn't necessarily what I'm asking my winger to do <laughs> on the field. But if you're going to try and tackle the player, like, don't do it in the penalty area if you're not very good at it. Oh, like, I mean, yeah, whatever. It's a, I think people understand my point. He's just a bit of a crap tackler, isn't he? Let's be honest. It's uh, the, the, time. Commentary, the, two, the two he got, the two he had against Coventry where he got sent off. There's this one. Mm. None of them are good. They're all very late. Um, they're, they're just badly timed and just like not very well thought through what he's trying to do. Yeah, well, it's like you say, Matt, it's that bank holiday sun again, isn't it? It's just frying, frying his head. brains. He yeah. won't be filling in at fullback anytime soon with, with tackling like that. Let's, you know, let's put it that. And it's also the timing of it, because at that point, little did we know, at that point, we were thinking, oh, OK, this has killed the game. Um, 3-1, Swansea are outside at half time. A uh, quick question to both of you. Do we reckon that Neyland could have done better with the penalty? Because he, he, he went the right way and it appeared that he got a hand to it. But, you know, am I being harsh to dig him out for that? I think with penalties, it, it's always benefit of doubt for the attacker, really. It's the advantage attacker. If a keeper saves it, fantastic. I can't... He could have done slightly better, but realistically, he's pulled out so many great saves over the past few weeks that... You know, it's it's pretty much in the corner, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I'd, I'd struggle to I'd struggle to complain too much when he's, you know, yeah. when the guys put it it's yeah. basically in the, in the bottom corner. Um, it's a pretty shot for well, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think half-time thoughts for me, other than the fact that all of a sudden we've got a mountain to climb. You know, two goals to 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 nick a point, three to nickel, three points. Was that colour kit that Swansea were wearing? <laughs> I was it's I can only describe it as like a burnt salmon. It was it was it's grotesque. It was just um, a Welsh, it's just a Welsh thing. Really, Can't really mean. that salmon um, kit last week. More flashbacks to 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 the one that we were seeing against uh, Cardiff as well a few weeks ago. Just that, that there's something about Welsh clubs just wearing garish shades of pink. Uh, it won't be winning fashion awards anytime soon. It's no African violet. <laughs> yeah, bring back the Afton Violet. If you're listening, Macron, bring it back for next season. Um, so the the goals didn't lap it let up in the second half. Um, they came straight out of the gates again. I think Ince had a penalty shout that Kevin Friend didn't give. Um, and Shocker. then yeah, another. I another don't even know if it was a penalty shout. At, at <laughs> I know, I know. It wasn't really giving us anything all, all game. And then Ince had another great chance on about. 55 minutes and blaze that over the bar. And then all of a sudden, up springs Michael Oberfemi on 57 minutes um, with a nice passing move. Uh, talk us through it, Alex, because it was easy for him to put away, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the ball comes out from the right-hand side and it, 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 we've, we've basically been caught out with just uh, Morrison and Morrison and Yeardo. Morrison, I think he gets caught out by the ball being played through uh, like a, the Swansea player dummies it to to allow it to go to the man behind him. Morrison jumps at it to try and you know try and um, get a block in or get an interception in or something like that. And he's just basically been caught flat-footed completely because Oberfemi just runs in straight behind him. 
Um, uh, my only question would probably be where's I don't know where McIntyre is meant to be there. Um, it, it feels like there's not many defenders at that situation. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of an annoying one to concede. Um, I think it was because... more set up off the line, didn't he? Which led led the massive gap in behind. So even if McIntyre exactly, yeah, there, it's it's another gap. one of those examples where you've got a player who's just kind of stepped forward, and you don't. I don't know if he should be stepping forwards there or not, and it's it, it just creates the space in behind. Um, it, it feels like we've said that an awful lot this season, where we've had a player step forward out of the defensive line. But I understand why he stepped forward, but ultimately, when you've got no cover there, it's you're just letting yourself in and, and once Obafemi's through, you know, he's what, eight yards out and it's it's an easy thing. And Morrison's got to go turn of pace, is he so no, it's it once and the thing is as well, then once Obafemi scores, it's four one. But you saw people leaving at four one, right? Like I saw people leaving at four <laughs> one. I'm sure people who are listening will have, you know, maybe seen or heard of people who left at four one. Um frankly, I wouldn't have blamed people to leave at four one because it didn't really look like we had it in us to come back from 4-1 down. I'll be honest, I was already dreaming of getting a pint in the sun instead of watching us go 6-1 drumming or something like that instead. Uh, glad I stayed, but I <laughs> uh, was thinking there's probably much better things I could be doing than watching us uh, lose 4-5-6-1. At 4-1, my thoughts immediately turned to blue-collar food and um, getting down there. You know, Shout out, because they do sponsor us. Sorry, blue-collar. Um, had a cracking yeah. had a cracking pizza at Blue Collar at lunchtime before today, so it was a good day all round, really. They're so good, like the olives, the artichokes, the nice mushrooms. Yeah, Lovely. get me. Hook it up straight to my veins. Um, just to bring an end to this like foodie interlude, um, Oberfemi obviously puts it away at four one, and we're all thinking of pints and sadness and being three goals down. He was dangerous throughout the half. Really, he had another chance around the. 74 minute mark and you know just a bit of a live wire ever since he's signed on a permanent from Southampton but it's weird because Reading were four goals down but not really looking awful so, sorry with three goals down we shipped four goals and um you know we- I said this yeah I said this to Matt while we were at the game I just didn't I didn't think we played that badly um uh, maybe before the fourth goal I didn't think we played badly and we conceded three goals and I didn't think either of the centre-backs had actually made any major major mistakes it was such a odd game. Um, and then I looked at the stats afterwards and it was like Swansea had, um, they had three shots on target in the first half, scored three goals. And they only had five shots on target the entire game. It, it was just a bizarre, like, uh, it was just a bizarre situation to find yourself in when you're 4-1 down, having not actually played that badly. Um, not played well, admittedly, but also not played awfully either. And uh, Matt, if you're like me, you're thinking, okay, 4-1, this is going to be a battering. And then, (laughs) all of a sudden, instant response, a literal instant response, because um, there's a searching cross that comes in from Junior Hoylet that finds Tom Ince, and all of a sudden, it's 4-2. Talk us through that. Yeah, fantastic ball across from from Hoylet. I'm not sure how uh, Ince kept onside there. Seems as the linesman all game seems to be calling for random offsides when it, it, it didn't quite feel like it was. Um, but he's managed to stay onside um, and just controlled it, if anything, uh, directly into the goal. Um, so it's a great goal in Ince's part. And you know, how many goals has he scored for us now? Four, four? I think that's his second. 
That's cool. Well, this is the thing because it, it feels like he scored more because he's such yeah. a big player in this kind of game in that he puts himself about. I said it last week how he pops up in areas of the pitch that you don't necessarily expect an out and out winger to appear in. He tracks back, he bustles, he puts in. If he's if he's ball. available on a he's available on a free and he fits into the wage structure, there's absolutely no question that we should sign him yeah. for next season. Yeah. I think. His like energy no is is what you want in the team. And it's what we've been dying for for years of somebody who wants to play and wants to be there. Um, and I know when we first signed him and then in, in, in senior uh, came in and, and things like that, it was, is this all a fix and that sort of thing. But he's, he's playing pretty well. <laughs> uh, and I'd, I'd happily sign him for another year. Yeah, without getting too carried away, I saw a couple of, people on Twitter saying it's almost McEnough-esque the way that he um, sort of leads by example out wide. And, you know, whilst we're not building any statues of him yet, he certainly started off on the right note. And in recent times, all these accusations of nepotism have sort of been muted somewhat because um, when he's playing the way he is, you can't really complain. Because if he's the first name on the score sheet and not playing well and your dad's the manager, then there's going to be questions. But if you're playing well and putting in performances... Like we saw him put in today, can't have any real complaints, really. And um, he's, he's easily keeping Mate out of the team. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I know Mate's, you know, partly injured and that sort of thing, but he is keeping Mate out of the team and arguably, you know, swapping Hoyler and things. Um, but what I quite liked about Ince was he's very happy having the ball at his feet and trying to turn and, and take on a player uh, and cut inside rather than, oh no, you know, I've got all the way uh, up to, to the last third doors closed to pass it back um, and that's kind of what we've been missing as yeah. points for years I, I, yeah I think the thing I like most about Tomins is that he's just it's just different from the kind of the inside forwards that we've had recently um or that we've we've kind of we've we very much relied on kind of the I guess technical players you know your Elisa's your Ajaria's your I don't know who else but they're two two examples off the top of my head we very much relied on those kind of players for probably three seasons now. And we haven't had like a, I know we've got Mate on one side, but certainly on the left-hand side, we haven't had a, like a, a high work rate um, good person on that side who's, who's putting in the yards. And I guess whilst the gyro does cover defensively, it just doesn't come across in the same way. I, I don't know why exactly, but it's just kind of a, a feeling uh, more than anything the last player i can remember is having doing something and he was only here for about well, played for about six months was harriet in that style of will actually try to take a player on is very hard working and will run up and down the pitch for as long as as he's on and it's is much better quality than, than harriet um but he does track all the way back covers the head on then goes all the way back up the pitch and even when we've got a, a goal kick, is ready for the quick ball over the top and and, and send him. We never seem to do it, but uh, he, he's waiting for the ball and wants it all the time. Yeah, and it's just useful to have a set-piece taker that isn't swift, especially with his looming departure. I mean, Ince puts himself on corners, he puts himself on free kicks. His delivery is not bad. I mean, we've, we've benefited hugely from set-pieces in, in, in recent times whilst Ince has, has been on them. So, yeah, long long live Tom Ince. Your your dad's not doing badly either. And um, at four two, I'm feeling like the majority of Reading fans quietly optimistic, but not thinking. Okay, realistically, we, we're not going to get ourselves back into this. And then all of a sudden, after giving it a go, 
for the majority of the half, all of a sudden there's pinball in the box and um and up steps Lucas Zhao to to pop it away. It, it was um it was difficult to keep tabs on exactly what was happening in the penalty area in the build-up to this goal to make it four three. But it was it was pandemonium. It was um somebody more geared on came from the right. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. remember who put it through to Yeardon, but it was Yeardon cut, cuts in uh, on the right uh, and, and puts a ball in. You know, bish bash all over the place. Drinkwater gets a shot on target going in. Um, that gets blocked on the line. Um, and it's, you know, you see Drinkwater. I think it's McIntyre with it, the shot, which gets blocked. No, I think it's McIntyre has a shot which is blocked on the line um, before before it kind of bounces back out. I don't know who gets the, is it, I think it's Ince who gets the header back across. Um, yes. yeah. no, sorry, it's not Ince. Um, I, I, it's all yeah. just goes to show that it was just totally it, it bounces. Broken. I mean, it just oh, yeah. bounces back up off Lawrence's chest basically across across the area to, to, to fall to Zhao. Yeah. Um, and it, Zhao's just in the right place, isn't he, to, to, to slide home? Yeah. Um, it's one of those momentum goals where it's that it's long left just as well. There's still 20 minutes left, and you just think, "Oh, we've got so we've got so long left here. You, you, you've got to think that we've got a chance now." Yeah, we yeah. we were saying just before the goal went in, um, up where we were sat in sort of Y25 area, that you could see us just waiting too long to get the goal and leaving it too late, and and it finishing four three. But when we got the goal on the 70th minute, but 20 minutes still to go, and momentum was with us, um, and it was. Almost, we just need more chances, and there are goals waiting in this game because we weren't giving Swansea anything by that point. Um, you know, but after the third goal, when we started really going for it, can see um, that we could get points here. We conceded more uh, chances at the back, but before then, we weren't giving them any chances at all, and we were harrying them on every single ball. And Swansea were poor in the second half. Yeah, first half it was seventy percent possession or something, and they were passing it around us. Second half, what was it? Uh, 56% possession, um, which is a a remarkable drop-off from what they had in the first half. Which is why, as well, I think um, Swansea were asking for trouble when, especially knowing that we were getting into them. We looked dead on our feet by the end of half, especially with Ince not really making many, if any, subs. Um, Swansea asking for trouble on 82 minutes when they take off Joel Pirro, who looked dangerous for a defender, Manning, and they were almost with the scoreline at 4-3, tacitly saying, come on then, you know, see if you can get an equaliser. Morrison and, was um, dead on his feet uh, from 80th minute on. If, they, if they'd put, you know, refresh their attack, someone could have walked around Morrison. And um, it's not for a lack of trying from him, but he's, you know, uh, coming more towards the end of his career. He cannot uh, run about uh, chasing a Swansea player for, for 90 minutes. Um, and, you know, they were, by the end, seeing... Morrison's the slight weak link uh, because he's so tired. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was again tactical error on their part. Should have made the attacking um, attacking sub, and we would have conceded. Um, I think with, with that attacking sub, we 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 really fell off after scoring the third goal in terms of our like in terms of I don't know why, but the momentum just seems to completely just fall away after the third goal. Um, and, and, and I mean, then Mate came on with what seven or eight minutes to go, and he it I felt mean, too late. It felt like we'd lost the momentum. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't offer it. He didn't offer anything when Mate came on. Um, 
I mean, the, and then it felt like Swansea were seeing the game out. They got two yellow cards for time wasting, both of them strikers. They had, I uh, can't remember the player's name, number 13, who was just sitting on the edge of the field for what felt like ages. Um, Wolf. Um, it just felt like he was sat there for ages in the second half, not injured. Uh, Inside tackled tackled him and he just sat there. And the referee just let him sit there. Really weird. Um, and yeah, it felt like Swansea were just going to see it out completely. And then obviously five minutes injury time, you think, oh, if Reading get one chance, you get a set piece here, just throw it forwards. Just put everybody in the box. And it's really weird because when you've been watching... Yeah, but when you've been watching us take corners during today, one of the corners we had in the first half, we we had three men in the box. That was it. It, it, So you were just thinking, if we just get one chance here, just put put nine men in the box. If we concede and we lose Mm 5-3, ultimately... Yes, goal difference might make a difference, but it's very unlikely to uh, go for it. Like a draw with, is much bigger than than a two goal loss was going to be. So, yeah, I was just hoping once we got to injury time that we could get one, you know, one chance or one set piece and, and see if we could get the ball to fall to us. I don't know about you two, but it felt like something was brewing. It felt like something was in the air because. Reading have developed this newfound penchant for late goals in recent times, which was a very unpaunovic thing, by the way. We didn't really get late goals. Well, we did. At any point. <laughs> that's it. We more often than not, we'd completely fall off and um, and be and, and almost be waiting for the opposition to score against us by the end of the game. But now, all of a sudden, we are living up to the big moments, and who steps up? But that man again, for the second time over the bank holiday weekend, it's Tom McIntyre. And for the second time in as many games, pure pandemonium is unleashed. And you two were there. Tell me that the roof blew off the minute that he finds himself on the end of this chart. Absolute bedlam. I mean, I've seen big goals at Reading before, but it was just ridiculous. The, 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 you know, the celebrations were just crazy. Um, you know, there was a guy, some guy ended up on the field celebrating with the players in the bundle after McIntyre's celebration. Uh, it was draining, that goal. Genuinely draining. Oh, yes, yeah. That way it was uh, such an intense celebration and relief knowing that Derby had just conceded three or four minutes before you knew a goal sends Derby down. Um, and... I can't. I don't think I want anyone else to get a last-minute winner except McIntyre. Um, he threw and through Reading, um, and he's just so passionate for the club that I love it that it's him getting uh, getting the the, the last-minute equaliser. If, if you were to nominate anyone from that squad, it'd be him. And we said it on the Twitter account over the weekend. We 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 got to apply to Reading Council for the planning permission for his statue. Surely, especially with, with the um, with the car park development, I want a McIntyre statue front and centre. I want people to drape scarves around his big shiny granite head. He's um, love, he's, he's love he, idea. we are fast approaching cult hero territory. I know it's you know you can't really say that after after what two goals and and you know this. But they're such big goals, aren't they? They're such big goals. Because when you look at the league table, if he hasn't scored, if he doesn't score those two goals, we're three points ahead of Peterborough, three games to go. And yes, granted, their goal difference isn't as good as ours, but still, 
three points and you're sitting you're shitting yourself if you're three points ahead of Peterborough three games to go because they haven't lost in four games now they've put together a bit of a run all of a sudden if we don't win either of these two games and we've you know we've picked up one point let's say against Sheffield United and then lost today people will be we'd be we'd be sitting here doing this podcast going we are absolutely bollocks we're going to lose at Hull and then we're going to lose to West Brom we're going to lose to Luton and it's only going to be down to Peterborough if we get if we stay up yeah, well, it's because um, Reading have done to get it. Those two goals—it's just ridiculously like it's a massive. Alex, like when when Reading have had their backs up against the wall at the end of the season before, I'm thinking Paul Clement losing four 0 to Ipswich at home. Like Reading never ever do it the easy way, and even though that points cushion was getting bigger and bigger and more and more cosy, I'm still thinking they're going to conspire in some way to make this tough for themselves. And yet, all of a sudden, it's not just what it's done for the mathematics of relegation and safety. It's also what it's done for the mood of the fan base. Because for McIntyre, of all people, to pop up with those goals over the weekend and to see him leading chance at the end of the game. Saying it's how he celebrates the goals. It's how he well, is it. part it's of the club. Yeah, it's, you know, there are people in the stands who went to school with him, who have known him growing up. You know, he's academy you know throughout the academy he's, he's played at every level for reading he's he's proper reading isn't he let's be honest yeah. like yeah. you know people i went to the same school as tom McIntyre. i don't know tom McIntyre. i went to the same school as tom McIntyre. matt went to the same he, he lives in reading he's, he lives in a he's born in the barks like he's he's as reading as anybody else in the stands in the stadium today yeah. uh so for him to you know for him to go out and, and score basically the goal that is yeah, we're not fully safe mathematically, but it's essentially the goal that is probably going to keep us up now. Um, you couldn't ask for for anybody else better to, 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 to get that goal. Yeah. He's, he's um, not... he, oh, yeah, his, his, you, with what you were saying about people knowing, his mm. cousin was in my class at school and I still see him out and about in Reading. You think, you know, he's part of the fabric of the town. And um, it's just, it's you look back on moments in our history as well. And he's been there. Like the official Reading Twitter account was tweeting this week. It's 10 years to the week since we beat Forrest, Ledgetwood scores, and all of a sudden everyone's on the pitch. And Tom McIntyre was on that pitch. Tom McIntyre was standing on the same grass as us, you know, as a, as a teenager. And, you know, it's that connection that can't be bought. And when he's scoring such important goals, like today, like on Friday against Chef United, it's, it's just the best feeling. It's something that we've been missing. And it's, you know, we've spoken about McIntyre being playing out of position and not getting a, a fair run in, in the squads uh, to prove his worth as such in, in the right position for him over the past few weeks. But he's, because he's just so ready, when he plays well, everyone plays well with him and the club and fans just have a much better connection. Um, and he's, for me, one of the players where I would love to see, you know, is handing out five-year contracts and that sort of thing, because I want him to be here for, for life. It's never going to happen. <laughs> Alex, uh, is, uh, Alex is shaking his head. <laughs> can't, no no five-year contracts. It's not allowed at the minute. Matt's, uh, Matt's doing a wrong goalie. And just the rules like, on the rules. Is contract on <laughs> you get a contract and you get a contract. Um, aside from being Reading's saviour, um, Tom McIntyre also holds the ignominious title of being Derby's executioner. Because like you were saying earlier, a goal would have relegated Derby. And that's exactly what happened. So let's just briefly round up 
the yeah, results. The we're at the stage, stage of the season where we have to talk about other um, other teams' results. The, the Alex, fans do you want in the stadium were uh, were chanting <laughs> for one, you know, one goal and Derby had gone. Basically, I can't remember the exact chant, but it was something along those lines um, when it was four three and. You know, clearly the players must have heard it. Um, this was just after after Derby had conceded. And I'm so glad that Derby had gone. Not only yeah. because it's a case of, um, you know, not only is it a case of, oh, there's one team less who could get relegated, but I'm glad it's Derby, frankly. Like, there's, there's so many memories of Derby and Reading, which are just, like, not great. I was getting relegated at Pride Park on the last day of the Premier League season and thousands of their fans running on after they've scored 11 points in the Premier League to, to goad in front of us. The the, the uh, first game in the, the um, first game in Division 1 when we got promoted after Brentford away and the Derby, you know, Derby had just been relegated the season before and came out and said, you know, you're in Division 1 when you're playing against Reading. Well, you know, enjoy League 1, Derby, won't you? Yeah, and I, it's I've been the, fed up with the story around Derby all year. Yeah. Of, you know, they're 21 points and it's uh, everyone's against them and, and those sorts of things. And I think, you know, conveniently, a lot of uh, media outlets forget that we also had six points uh, deducted. So actually, it's not 21 points they're catching up. It's 15 points they're catching up. It's a great achievement to get close, but you haven't done it. Um, and good. And I, I'm... I'm you, know, you broke the rules, you get the deduction, as did we. Um, carry on. Uh, you should have gone down last year, really. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm happy they'll be in League One. They're playing, what, Forest Green next season. So good. <laughs> Not Forest. It's, well, that's it. I mean, Matt, you, you'd hit the nail on the head because, you know, as much as I, as much as I am glad that it looks like they're going to survive as a club, I'm glad we're not playing them next season. They should have gone down last season and um they've got their comeuppance because like us you, if, if you break the rules you break the rules and they've suffered for it and it looks like we might have just squeaked by next season with a difficult season to come next year but we're still keeping this upbeat so just before we close out then um let's just turn our thoughts to hull away at the end of the week because in the form that we're in we've only lost what once in the last six seven now and hull with not a lot to play for at all surely we're getting something from that game, guys. I mean, Hull, Hull is such a weird team. Um, they they seem to be able to, you know, perform every so often against teams who don't seem like don't have much to play for. Um, you know, they beat they beat Cardiff recently, and they beat Coventry last month. And it's like, but they're not they they're not very good, are they? Like, they've scored less points than us this season on the field. I feel like it's a game which Reading can go up and get three points then. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I hope we sell out that away crowd because, especially with it being the game that will, could, in all likelihood, make us mathematically safe, I'd love to see a large traveling contingent there to, to cheer on the lads. And, and obviously, if, if we do get the, I think it's two points now we need to be mathematically safe. If we do get the win there and Ince does what many Reading fans thought improbable when he came in and, and keeps us up. It'd be interesting to see if he's in here next year. And obviously, we've 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 been keeping tabs on this on the Elm Park Royals Twitter account, gauging the mood, ints in or ints out. And uh, latest tally, sixty nine percent nice of uh, Reading fans say yes to Paul Ince as manager for next season. It's slowly Blimey. turning. The mood is slowly turning among the fan base. It's gone from being no way, not a chance in hell to maybe. 
and now I feel like it's slowly moving towards a like a almost like a resigned yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the reluctant yes camp. I actually voted no on that poll because I, in my mind, I'm feeling like there's surely someone better out there that can manage us. But you know what? We don't have any money. No one re is really going to want to take us on. If he wants the job and he's getting results, then yes, I want him as manager. Um, as long as he's getting results. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm definitely in the reluctant but coming around to it category. And uh, by the end of the season, you know, when the champagne's been popped, touch wood, and uh, the, again, the statue has been built, we're going to have McIntyre in one corner of the car park and uh, Paul Ince in the other corner of the car park. We'll, uh, we'll have to revisit oh. this pod and think, oh, you non-believers, you non-believers. So, we'll, hold, we'll uh, hold off on the Paul Ince statue for now. <laughs> Listen, the other Paul, Paul Mann, of course, will be uh, chastising us because he's, I, I don't think he's a believer yet by any means, but we'll, he'll come around. He'll come around. They always do. Um, lads, uh, you deserve a lie down in a dark room, both of you separate dark rooms. I'm drained. I, like, yeah, I, need, a, yeah, I need, a long, need a drink and a long lie down after, well, because, after that game. Like you say, we've gone from, from winning early doors to being three goals down to snatching the most unlikely of unlikely points uh, on a day that will live long in the memory for every Reading fan. So thank you, Tom McIntyre. Thank you guys at home for joining us for another episode of the Unpark Royals podcast. We'll be back recording the uh, preview for the whole game midweek. So join us for that. And uh, this has been Jacob Southcline, not Fiona Bruce, and the Lansley brothers Grimm, Alex and Matt. And uh, see and hear you next time. Cheerio.